Hi, it's Chris Titley here, and today we're joined by Tom Milner, Portfolio Manager from Contact Asset Manager. Tom, it's been a been a while, but uh, good to see you again, mate. You too, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about uh, the history of Contact and the product that you manage, BKI. If you want to give the listeners out there a little bit of an understanding on what it is. Yeah, sure. So um, in December, BKI hit 20 years, having been, delist- been listed in 2003. Uh, we listed with $172 million market cap back then. We're now managing a bit over $1.4 billion. Um, and since that time, we've paid out over a billion dollars in dividends and franking credits. So I've been involved with BKI since the prospectus. Uh, we listed it. Um, and then during that time, I've, I've been CEO of BKI. I've worked externally for BKI. But then in 2016, we created Contact Asset Management, myself and business partner, Will Colbert. Um, and we've been managing BKI since 2016. Um, and then with that, we've also got a uh, an X50 fund that we that we run as well, which is coming up to its fourth year. So uh, it's been a long association with BKI, and um, I suppose it was just a really nice milestone in December to hit 20 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. And now I seem to recall a little history of the name of Contact had something to do with a horse back in the day. Do you want to give that story? Yeah, it did. Um, Will's great grandfather and my great grandfather were good friends. Uh, which is which is nice because Will and I are obviously good mates. Uh, Will's great grandfather was a horse trainer, and, and my great grandfather was an accountant who liked liked the races, and they had a few horses together. And their most successful horse was called Contact, and it uh, it ran fourth in the Melbourne Cup in 1935, and then in 1936 won the Sydney Cup. So we, uh, it you know, it sort of typifies our investment philosophy. It was a it was a long distance runner, a bit of a stayer. Uh, wasn't a, wasn't a sprinter, um, and so that long term, long distance, long term, um, I suppose mindset was uh, another reason we thought we'd better call it contact. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, mate, congratulations on the milestone, and certainly um, the performance of the fund. Do you, do you want to talk about some of the attributes and and what you look for when when investing within the fund and and the goals around investment per se? Yeah, well, I think with BKI, it's been. Um, been quite fortunate to be listed and, and be or have a closed end structure and it's a bit like the whole souls pats theory is of, of co-investing with like-minded people and, and and having that long-term i suppose mindset but having a closed end structure means that in a downturn and we've had a few over the last 20 years you're not a forced seller because people are redeeming units in your fund you can actually use your cash and buy stocks at a really good valuation and, and hold them for the long term. So we've been able to do that a few times over the last 20 years with BKI. And, you know, the most recent period, COVID, you know, we've got a really quick short window in being able to buy some stocks at ridiculously cheap prices and and, and hold on to them for the long term. So, so with that, it's been um, a bit of an advantage, but also it's enabled us to go into the small and mid cap space as well and grow with a, a founder or a family who um, have brought a stock to market. And there's been a few names that we've done really well out of. Some of them are household names in the stable with New Hope and TPG, but others, you know, Ramsey Healthcare, Sonic Healthcare, um, Goodman Group, Lindsay Australia, ARB, Reese, those sort of companies we've held for, you know, best part of 20 years and growing, growing with them because of the closed end LIC structure. It's an interesting point you make around the 20 year sort of horizon that you've held stocks for because market cycles generally 
you know, go up mm. and down, sort of yep. exaggerate on the downside and on the upside, but, you know, you're tempted along the way to, to trim or sell some of these holdings. I'm always fascinated to, to hear about long term, but then all of a sudden if something goes up 40%, you think, oh, maybe we should take a little bit off. Yeah, you do. It's, it's very tempting. And you know, there's a stock that comes to mind in the, at the moment that's a, it's a family-run business. Uh, they're very well aligned. It's a, it's a great product. It's been listed for a long time and we've held it for a long time, and that's Reese. But it's trading on 40 times. So, you know, part of you thinks, okay, look, is it, is it time to take some off the table? Um, do, you, do you sell and deploy that money elsewhere in the portfolio with, with better value? But we just keep coming back to the fact that quality always wins. And, you know, the Wilson family have been there for a long time. They've been very successful, created a, a, an amazing business. And, you know, from a BKI point of view, we think we'd be, be crazy to sell at these levels. When you have a stock that you've held for a long time and there's maybe a change of management, I mean, how often do you catch up with these companies in regards to company meetings and or if there is a change of management or change of potential strategy, how do you get your head around going, oh, maybe this might work or might not work? Yeah, that's a good question. We, we're we sort of at the size and scale of BKI now where we, we do get good access. You know, we have, we have meetings probably twice a year at least with Companies from CBA to, to BHP right down to some of the a small, smaller company worth, you know, $200 million market cap. So we do get good access. We meet with management at least twice a year. Um, change of management's always a good opportunity to, you know, dust, dust the dust off the, the folder and have a really good look at, at the business, at the strategy, uh, what the, the history or track record of the new management is coming into the business, uh, what their incentives are. Uh, what their timeline is looking like. And it's just, it's probably a good reflection point on on just assessing the investment opportunity. When it comes to macro trends, I remember in 2017 when I went to Buffett and at the AGM and caught up with you, they were talking about AI and they were talking about the, the, the fast-paced nature of technological change. How much do you keep abreast of that with your, your companies and, and sort of do you buy into some of the hype about you know, particularly AI and the way it's changing and the super fast paced nature of it? Yeah, probably not from an investing point of view, but we do obviously want the companies that we invest in to spend a little bit of time and money on digitalization and technology and, and now AI and, and and being progressive because at the end of the day, it's it, done properly, it's there to help, right? So, you know, a company that comes to mind here is Sonic. You know, you've got your pathologists, they're, they're studying um, a, a sample. Typically, they'd be over the microscope taking notes and they take those notes, they type them up, they then send them off to be, you know, processed and then it gets back to the GP. Mm. Now with AI, they've got voice recognition, they can talk while they're looking at a sample through a microscope. It fills out a, a form automatically that is then digitally transferred to a GP and, you know, results of those tests are pretty much instantaneous. So... You know, there's there's good and bad AI, and we're sort of learning and, and seeing that emerge. But Sonic have been doing this now for a few years, and the savings from a cost point of view is sorry, the lights have just gone off there. Well, that's all right. No one can see that. There we go. I was in the dark. I'm sorry, mate. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> pay the power bill, mate. <laughs> exactly right. So Sonic have used this, and they they can now do many more samples a day, uh, generate better profits on a per day basis, which, you know, annualized um, can, can be quite a, a nice little nest egg for them. But you do have to embrace the technology, invest in it, and then and then use it properly. 
When you look at some of these companies and their growth companies, you talked about Reese, you talked about Sonic, etc. And how important is the dividend? And also, mm. when you're looking at some of the growth companies, maybe the two hundred million dollar market that mightn't be paying a dividend, the, the prospects of a, a future dividend. Yeah, we've got we've got two products. BKI is very reliant on dividends. Um, that that is our revenue and our profits that we then pass on to our shareholders. So dividends, uh, growing dividends, and, and a yield are really important for our shareholders. Um, the fund, our you know, Contact X50 fund is less focused on dividends, but companies still do need to pay a dividend. It doesn't have to be a high yield, but we, we believe that um, if a company has the ability to pay a dividend, there's a lot of other things that have gone right before that. So not only is revenue there, profits are there, they're paying taxes, they're spending money on R&D and expenditure, but there's still surplus cash flow to pay out to, to shareholders. So dividends are really, really important in the makeup of, of our, I suppose, investment. And, and how uh, important do you think it is now in the, in the macro environment per se, in terms of the cost of living and rates, et cetera, where, where dividends sit and the, and the benefits of franking credits? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're vital. Most, most shareholders in BKI are probably in, in pension mode or have got a self-managed super fund or a, a young guy starting out, you know, and they might be in accumulation phase and, you know, the, the, the dividends that they receive can go into the DRP so they can accumulate more shares. But that franking credit attached to that, they might be on a on a tax rate of 30 to 40%. And that, that, that franking credit can offset some tax that they pay there too. So it's very important right across all shareholders. And when it comes to weighting the portfolio and seeing different positions go up and down on a daily mm. basis, if one gets to a particular level, what, what do you do? Do you have a meeting about the stock or do you have to potentially sell some? No, not not really. Um, we've got uh, our active weights at the moment. You know, we've got five percent active in Macquarie and APA. That's that's probably pretty skewed to the to the the top end, to the pointy end, if you like. That'll be um, it's it's pretty active management that. But we we take the view that Macquarie is a great company and APA is a great company. Um, NAB we're overweight about four percent. So you know a lot of I suppose traditional fund managers would own all banks. We only own CBA and NAB uh, because we just think they're the better better quality businesses. Um, we're happy to grow with a, with a business. Um, so, you know, BHP's, um, I think, our number one stock at the moment. We're happy to keep, keep investing in that if they keep growing. Mm -hmm. And the market in the last little year or so, I left um, Morgan's in May of 2022 and the index was 7,300. Uh, ex-dividends. I think the market's around 73, 7,400 mm. coming up to two years later. Again, not including dividends. What, what, what have, what's your thoughts in the last little while and, and then moving forward? Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really interesting point you've made there, Chris. We always look at the accumulation index because we do have a, a, a real focus on dividends and the ability of Australian companies to pass on dividends and franking credits, which we've already spoken about. But, um, you know, those numbers they they have grown quite significantly over the last 12 months but also yep. you know over over decades and decades before that so i think in in the you know 12 months ago if you said the market was going to go up 13 percent including franking credits which it, which it sort of did over the last 12 months people would have thought you're mad mm. um, but as fund managers and, and long-term investors you'll stay positive so we've been pretty much fully invested over that time and done done reasonably well speaking of staying positive you you, you have a a new stock or a new stock enters the portfolio after significant due diligence and then all of a sudden it, it dips 15 or 20 percent do you do you double down or do you keep an eye on it what's your what's your process when things don't always go to plan 
Yeah, and, and, and sometimes they don't. Uh, one that we probably got wrong recently was James Hardy. Uh, we waited and waited and waited and bought it really, really well. Uh, change of management. Uh, the new management team came in basically and said, listen, we're going to try and restructure this business. Um, there's, a, there's a few things that we need to sort out, cost cutting. One of the things that we're going to start with is cutting the dividend. Um, and because dividends are so important to, to BKI shareholders, we'd, we'd done well out of the stock. We'd, we'd made money, but we thought, okay, we're not going to get a dividend out of this company for a couple of years. So we actually sold it. Um, as it turns out, we've probably left 25, 30% on the table. Mm. on that on that trade it wasn't a huge position in the portfolio but it just just sort of goes to show sometimes when you get really focused on something you you might you might miss the other the other elements of of the story and then when you come together as a group to look at the the lessons from that do you sort of analyze your your, your losses i suppose and the ones that didn't go so well and, and use those learnings into into the future yeah absolutely absolutely you know james hart is exposed to the u.s housing market you know we've got really good exposure there through brickworks and reese so you know the, the the underlying currents of that that sector was actually quite positive for both reese and, and brickworks and we talked about reese before mm. and its performance over the last little period has been really really good so what we sort of lost with james hardy we've more than made up for it with our holding in reese i think you did mention that you've held stocks for for 20 years have you got a sort of a, a metric on how long you've held the sort of the portfolio on on average yeah, we, we only turn the portfolio over about 9% a year. Right. So the whole portfolio in, in basically 11 or 12 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Excellent. Tom, the, the plans for, for BKI just to keep status and keep going as is in terms of providing a good dividend yield for shareholders? Yeah, yeah keep going. Keep trying to, I suppose, increase our exposure and, and a bit of marketing and make sure that discount to NTA is under control. And, and it has been over the last 10, 10 of the last 20 years as we've got bigger and, and we've you know, got a big, bigger market cap, and the size and scale of the business has grown. That that discount's narrowed to, to somewhat of, of a premium every now and then, which has been great. So that that's something we're really going to concentrate on. Um, but also, you know, just growing, always growing the dividend for our shareholders is is imperative to us. And that all that comes down to is continue to pick good quality, long term companies. Tom, one final question. You've seen a lot of cycles in, in regards to investing, the ups and the downs and the macros and different changes of prime ministers and interest rates, et cetera. Where, where are we now? Are you okay with where things are at? Yeah, we've we've been positive for probably the last two years where people think we're you know, going to hit a recession and, and things are going to slow down. We've got an amazing country here that we've got the benefit of investing in. We've got an amazing resource and energy sector. We've got an amazing agricultural, tourism sector, education. We've got huge tailwinds there, um, but the other sleeper that people sort of forget about is the 12% contributions of superannuation. Mm. You know, typically 25% of that goes into our Australian market. So we've got this unbelievable tailwind of, of growth going into, into our market mm. and, and that's sort of our, our backyard. So um, it's, it's not a bad tailwind. So with those sort of thematics, we're, we're quite positive on the, on the future. Tom, on that note, I'll leave it there. Congratulations on what you've achieved with BKI and also with, with contact and the funds that you manage and, and really look forward to catching up. Right. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris.